This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Today's message is entitled, How to Overcome Prejudices and Racism. How appropriate for our society today. I'd like to begin by reading a poem called The Cold Within. Six humans trapped by happenstance in bleak and bitter cold, each one possessed a stick of wood, or so the story's told. Their dying fire in need of logs, the first man held his back, for of the faces round the fire, he noticed one was black. The next man, looking across the way, saw one not of his church and couldn't bring himself to give the fire his stick of birch. The third one sat in tattered clothes. He gave his coat a hitch. Why should his log be put to use to warm the idle rich? The rich man just sat back and thought of the wealth he had in store and how to keep what he had earned from the lazy, shiftless poor. The black man's face bespoke revenge as the fire passed from sight, for all he saw in his stick of wood was a chance to spite the white. The last man of this forlorn group did not except for gain. Giving only to those who gave was how he played the game. Their logs held tight in death's still hands was proof of human sin. They didn't die from the cold without. They died from the cold within. Isn't that poem powerful? Because it speaks of the hatred and the judgment and the selfishness and the withholding that human beings are capable of in the name of self-preservation, of thinking of themselves as better than others. How do we overcome prejudice and racism? Here are the things that I've listed from this passage. And I'd like to say them first and then show you how I got them out of the scriptures and encourage you to apply them to your life and relationships. To overcome prejudice and racism, we need to be as impartial as God is. We need to resist evil inclinations to discriminate. We need to value people as God values them. We need to realize that many in power are oppressive. We need to obey the royal law of love. And we need to confess our sin of showing favoritism. Finally, we're to treat people with the mercy we want to receive. Let's see how James writes this to the church scattered 
during his day. First of all, be as impartial as God is. James 2.1, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Right at the top, James says it straight. He says it clear. Prejudice, racism, favoritism are not allowed if you're a Christian. If you believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, these should not have a place in your life. What is favoritism? Favoritism is the practice on the basis of prejudice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. It creates resentment and a sense of inequality. God does not want us to show favoritism. That is the opposite of the very character of God. Think about it. Impartiality is an attribute of God. He's absolutely and totally impartial in dealing with people. And here are some verses that back that up. Deuteronomy 10, 17, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God, showing no partiality and taking no bribe. Romans 2, 11, For there is no favoritism with God. Ephesians 6, 9, There is no favoritism with him. And Acts 10.34, Peter saying, Now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism. And let's visit that episode in Peter's life. Peter was standing on Simon the Tanner's rooftop while lunch was being made. And he was awfully hungry. When he went into a trance, and in this trance he saw sheets come down from heaven. And there was all sorts of animals that were on those sheets. And he heard the voice of the Lord say, take, kill, and eat. But he couldn't do that because there was unkosher animals in that food menu. And he was kosher. He was following all his dietary laws to remain kosher. And God said to him, how can you call unclean what I call clean. In other words, you're discriminating. That's kosher and that's not kosher. That's legitimate and that's not legitimate. But I call all human beings legitimate. All human beings have intrinsic value because they have been made in my image. All human beings have value because Christ died for them. So every human being is worth Christ to God. With that in mind, Peter realizes that God does not show favoritism. That God loves and accepts all the people of the world. Red and yellow, brown, yellow, red and yellow, brown, and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves all the children of the world. So showing favoritism is inconsistent with God's character. Would you agree with me on that? And showing favoritism is antithetical to the gospel. 
the gospel says there's one way to be saved, and that's to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to admit your sin and to trust in him. Whether you're rich or poor, black or white, you need to trust in Christ. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And favoritism is incompatible with our faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. The positive way of saying this is, we are to treat all people with dignity and respect. That's how God treats us. That's how we are to treat others. Secondly, if we're going to overcome prejudices and racism and favoritism, we need to resist evil inclinations to discriminate. James writes in verses 2 to 4, Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit at the floor, on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So where does prejudice and where does racism, where does favoritism come from? Straight from the pit of hell. It's Satan who wants people to think that somebody is half human or less human or lesser in value than anybody else. Don't you dare believe the lies from hell. Resist evil inclinations to discriminate. It's when we make odious comparisons to make ourselves feel better at the expense of others that we're falling into the devil's trap. You need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When a thought comes into my mind that does not belong there, I say, I take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Do you do that? Or do you allow these evil thoughts to prance on the stage of your mind and to entertain you and to distract you and to delude you and to deceive you into doing the devil's work? When you judge someone, when you put someone down, you're doing the devil's work. Resist the devil. James will write in chapter 4, and he will flee from you. Third, we are to value people as God does. In James chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, we hear God's values. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised to those who love him, but you have dishonored the poor. So James reminds his readers that their values were not God's values. Didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Yet you have dishonored the poor? They were acting in a way <clears throat> that was contrary to God's values. What would happen if you valued people 
the way Jesus did. When Jesus looked at the crowd, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd, helpless and harassed. He was moved with compassion when he saw people. He cared for them. When the children were shooed away as a nuisance by the disciples, Jesus said, suffer not the little children to come unto me. For such of these is the kingdom of God. He was welcoming. He was loving. He cared. What if you loved and accepted and valued people the way the Lord does? What if you saw above everybody's head VIP, blue ribbon, a 10 out of 10? Wouldn't you treat that person differently? That's what the Lord wants you to do because that's how he treats you. God wants you to repent of racism, prejudice, and favoritism and value what he values. Realize that many in power are oppressive. So James points this out in verses 6b to 7. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? James is giving them a reality check. He's saying, let's stop and think a moment. You are catering to the rich. You're giving them preferential treatment and having them sit in the balcony seats, the grandstand seats, the cushy seats, while you're having the poor sit on the floor or in the very back or by your feet, putting them down. Wait a second. Aren't those who are rich and in powerful positions oppressing poor people, including many of you who are Christians who are poor? And the people would stop to think, wait a second, you're right. But it's a bigger thing than that. Institutional racism means that those in power have implemented things to put down the poor. Have you ever heard of redlining? Redlining is where you look at a city map and you draw these neighborhoods that are run down and you make sure they get no business until they're completely dilapidated. Then you take over and you retrofit them into some swanky place that no one can afford. That's redlining. That's institutional racism. Those in power, I've heard that the rich can be described as Those who get all they can, keep all they can, sit on the can. So they get all they can, keep all they can, and they sit on the can. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to gain wealth and keep that wealth and build that wealth at the cost of other people. So to drag people to court, hey, you haven't paid your, your, uh, your money, I'm taking you to court, I'm suing you, I'm going to take you for all you're worth, I'm going to put you in debtor's prison where you're going to be tortured until a pound of flesh is removed from you. That's the terrible thing that James is pointing out. So if you are catering to rich people, 
you may very well be participating in institutional racism. You may be cooperating with the very people who are putting people down. You need to stand against them. You need to speak to power and say, that's not how to treat a human being. And if we're going to overcome prejudices and racism, we need to obey the royal law of love. Now, I wanted to say this in plain English. We need to love others as we love ourselves. But I would miss how James presents this. Do you know what the royal law of love is? The summary of the Old Testament? It's found in Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture... He quotes Leviticus 19.18, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. So the point here is that when you see somebody, if you love them the way you want to be treated, then you'll love them better than you normally do. And we are to obey the royal law of love. Now, that brings up a question that will smack a smug, self-righteous person right in the face. But I am loving. And, you know, I do keep the other commandments. So James says in verses 9, 9 to 11, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as a lawbreaker. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Let me just read that again. Verse 10, James 2.10. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Let me just give you a picture to put in your mind. You see a chain with all of its links. You're holding on to that chain for dear life thinking you'll be saved by obeying all of those commands. But you disobey one command, which represents one link. That one link breaks. Guess what happens to you? You fall right into hell. Why? Because you can't obey every command. And by breaking one command, you're guilty of breaking all of the commands. So he uses two extreme examples. He says, for he who said you shall not commit adultery, in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Now, you could insert any sin. If you do not um, commit lying, but you... Uh, disobey your parents, you become a lawbreaker. The point is, we're all sinners. Now, I have to share with you one of my favorite stories. Billy Graham on the Johnny Carson show. I uh, was going to have a video clip of it, but I'm going to instead play it for you, the verbal audio part of Billy Graham on Johnny Carson's show. And I want you to hear what Billy Graham says to Johnny Carson about this subject. Please, evangelist, author, educator, Dr. Billy Graham. Well, that was quite a mile. 
appreciated one thing. Uh, that, uh, you've been reading the Bible, I see. Uh, you knew about the commandments. Yes, I know. Uh, you know, I, I, it sounds awful, but if, if you ask me to name all ten of them right now, and this probably sounds terrible, I would probably leave one out somewhere. Oh, I think you could think of all of them. Yeah, because I, all of us have broken all of them. So I think we could figure them out. Do you think, it, do you think everybody... Everybody has broken every commandment. Yes, sir. The Bible says if we break in one point, we're guilty of all. Oh, and then when Jesus came after Moses, he explained that the, that the Ten Commandments can be broken in your heart by thought and intent. So in that sense, we're all guilty. And that's the reason the Bible says that everybody's a sinner. Even Ed is a sinner. <laughs> comes as quite a surprise. They, they, <laughs> Don't you just love that? Billy Graham has the courage to say to Johnny Carson, and in the video clip, Johnny Carson is really flabbergasted. Are you meaning to say that everybody has broken all of the commandments? That sounds like an overstatement. And Billy Graham says, if you've broken one, you've broken all. And Jesus said, if you even think about breaking it, you've broken it in your heart. So we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And he says, even Ed McMahon. And I don't know if you heard him, but Ed McMahon says, well, that comes as a surprise to me. <laughs> and Johnny says, well... If there was room on the tablets, there would have been four more commandments that uh, he broke. So they had a good time, but Billy Graham spoke the truth. And what James is doing is he's saying, you can't pick and choose what you're going to obey. The royal law is love one another, love your neighbor as yourself. It's not a... Uh, a buffet where you can pick and choose. It's required on the menu for a believer. So James makes clear that favoritism is not simply disrespectful of people, it is sin against God. If you show favoritism, you commit sin. It is sin because it's contrary to God's character. He's impartial. It is sin because it's contrary to the values of God. He has chosen the poor. Who are you to dishonor the poor? It is sin because it's the command of God that it's the royal law that he says, love your neighbor as yourself. We need to repent. As a church, we need to repent of our attitude of putting other people down of discriminating against certain groups, even other churches. We need to repent. And finally, treat people with the mercy you want. James 2, 12 to 13, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Think about it. You have been forgiven your many sins. Who are you to judge others? 
Later, James is going to say, there's only one judge, and he's God, and you're not the judge. You can't, in a tennis match, stop the game, get up on the judge's seat, and say, that guy was wrong, because then you're out of the game. There's only one judge, and you are being judged. Now, the good news is, all your sins have been judged on the cross, that Jesus died on the cross, and he paid for all your sins in full, past, present, and future, you're forgiven. That's the good news, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But you are still to pass that grace and that mercy on to others. You, who have freely received, are to freely give to those in need. So this is what James is pointing to, and we are to live in such a way that we're aware of this. At one point, Jesus confronted the religious leaders of his day and said, you hypocrites, you, you measure out the mint and the cumin, which are spices, exactly right. But go and learn this, I require mercy. So the religious leaders were being fastidious and super conscientious in trying to obey the letter of the law to the nth degree, but they were missing the main emphasis, which was show mercy. Be kind. Be considerate. Be helpful. Be generous. God will bless you. But those who don't know Christ, and those who claim to know Christ but really don't, will continue to judge and put down and discriminate against others. Maybe it's that you've never really come to know that God really loves you. You're hard on others because you don't realize that God loves you. He accepts you. He approves of you. You don't have to be hard on others because God really, really likes you. Pass that on. Pass the love that you have in Jesus on to others. Say, Jesus in me, love this person fully. How do we overcome prejudices and racism? Does this make sense now? That we are to be as impartial as God is? That we're to resist evil inclinations to discriminate by taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ that doesn't belong in the mind of Christ that we have? Does it make sense that we're to value people as God does? That we're to realize that many in power are oppressive and we're not to cooperate with institutional racism? That we are to obey the royal law of love, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And that we are to confess our sin of showing favoritism. And we are to treat people with the mercy we want. Does this make sense? This is the word of the Lord. Let us not be hearers only, but doers. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have been duly convicted by these strong and powerful and needful words from, the, from James, the half-brother of Jesus. Thank you so much for what he wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit, because it applies as much today to our lives and to the church as it did when it was originally written. So thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. May we confess and repent. May we reflect your character and attitude towards people. May we love others with the love we have received from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.